So I guess for me, um, this this morning has kind of come out of um, a conversation that I had with God a couple of weeks ago. And I suppose at that point in time, I was just having a day, I'm, I'm sure, hopefully I'm not the only one, um, I was having a day where I was just feeling a bit discontent and a bit unsettled and maybe even a bit disconnected. And when I trace it back, usually it comes from when I've not spent time with the Father. And a situation had happened that day that had caused me... A situation had happened that day that caused me some frustration. And it really wasn't a big deal, but nevertheless, this frustration began to build in me about this situation. And it shouldn't have been frustrating, or it shouldn't have been as frustrating as I thought it was. Yet, I couldn't help but play the situation over and over and over and over and over in my head. And I don't know about you, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but I, I will replay a situation and change how I reacted or change what I said or change the outcome of the situation until I think the perfect situation and the perfect outcome has happened. Um, and yet, what difference does it make? Because the situation's already happened. The outcome is already created. And yet, I still will go over and over and find the perfect response. And in, that mo- and, and in those moments, as I was going over and over I don't know whether it was me or whether it was the Holy Spirit prompting me, but I just realized that actually, as I was going over these, as I was going over my frustrations, I was just going over it to myself. I wasn't expressing them to God. I was just talking to thin air. I wasn't actually talking to God about them. I wasn't asking God for his input. And so then I took a moment and I again went over the whole situation with God and gently I heard him say, am I not enough for you? I created you. I formed you. Do you not think that I am sufficient for you? I know you. I love you. Do you not think that I can give you all you need? I am called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I realized that as I've been playing the situation over and over to myself, that I, didn't, I hadn't spoken to God about it. And in the moment I did, He was who he promised to be. He reminded me of who he was, and my frustration disappeared. Now, it isn't always that easy, and it doesn't always happen that quickly. But in that moment, my frustrations dissipated. And sometimes, especially when I'm feeling particularly frustrated about something or a situation, I'll imagine myself sitting down and having a conversation with God. Sometimes if it's serious enough, I pretend I'm on like a counselor's couch and and chatting to God about it. and telling him everything that's going on and what has annoyed me or what is going on with that situation. And he'll wait. He'll listen patiently until I'm ready, until I'm finished, until I've got everything out that I want to say or how how I should have said it, what should have said or what they should have done instead or whatever it is. Until everything that is in my heart is out, he waits patiently. And then when I'm done, he reminds me of who he is. He gave me that verse not because it would change the situation, but because it would change me. You know, long before Jesus came to the earth as a baby, the Old Testament prophesied what he would be like. The prophets declared these prophecies to the people and they passed them down to their children and to their children in turn and on and on and on. God gave the people a glimpse of what Jesus would be like. He prepared them in advance to recognize his son, And yet, as John tells us, the world did not recognize him. The very ones who'd been studying these prophecies, the ones who were teaching others about them, 
should, who should have known who he was. They spent so long studying, and in their minds they built up this picture of what Jesus would be like, what the Messiah would be like. But they did not recognize him. They expected a king, and they were given a baby born in a manger. They expected a warrior, and they were given the prince of peace. They expect someone who would fit into their box, and yet they were given Jesus, who in his dual nature, both fully man and fully human, was never meant to fit into a box and was never meant to be fully understood because our minds just can't comprehend it. They expected someone who would stroke their egos and they were given a man who would shook what they thought they knew to its very core. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He wants us to know him because in knowing him, we discover who we are. We know he is enough. And when we know he is enough and all we will ever need, we turn to him and get his perspective before other people and even before our own perspective. So as we approach Christmas, when we celebrate the, the greatest gift the world was ever given, we remember who he said he is. So this morning, this is the verse I want us to focus on. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Throughout the Bible, there are many different names given to God. Just like in this verse, and names are interesting. Usually, knowing someone's name suggests that you have some kind of a relationship with that person. And whether you like your name or not, most people's identity is linked to their name. It's how we identify ourselves. One of the catechisms states, a name expresses a person's essence and identity and the meaning of this person's life. God has a name. God is not an anonymous force. To disclose one's name is to make oneself known to others. In a way, it is to hand oneself over by becoming accessible, capable of being known more intimately and addressed personally. God has revealed himself to us with different names so that we might know him better. God has always been centered around relationship. His very being is a relationship, three beings who are distinct but fully God. God is all about relationships. He shall be called wonderful. Jesus' life would be wonderful. It would be different from any other life that went before him. The word used for wonderful is really closely linked with the word used for miracles. And Jesus' life was also miraculous. And yet what was most miraculous about him was that he, as he was both fully divine, he was also fully human. He was and is completely other. As a man, he had no power of his own, but that which came to him through his relationship with the Father. When we know Jesus, we can't help but look at his life on earth with awe and wonder. The wonder that God would send him to us, the wonder that of his life is not only in his miracles, but in the way he lived, how he treated people, how he loved people, how he helped people. The wonder of his death, that he was willing to die the death that he didn't deserve, for people who did deserve it. 
the wonder of his resurrection and the ascension, and that one day the wonder that he will return. Jesus was and is the only perfect human. And as Ian shared as we're, while we're in Latvia, um, giving out shoeboxes, I don't know about you, but if you're ever feeling a bit um, lacking in wonder, the best place to find wonder is in a child's eyes as they're given a gift they'd never, or a, a gift that maybe they've never received one before or, or weren't in a, in a family who gave gifts very often. But you give a child a gift that they're not expecting and the wonder in their face as they open that box is something that you, you can't experience in any other way. And so for me this Christmas, part of my prayer is that we learn not to lose wonder. We learn what it is to continue to see the Bible and to see God and to see Jesus through the eyes of a child receiving a gift for the very first time. To see who he is, the wonder of his person, the wonder of who he is, because he shall be called wonderful. Now some translations like the one up on the screen link the words wonderful and counselor together. But each word reveals distinct things about his character. The word for counselor means one of honorable rank, one who is suited to stand near princes and kings as their advisor. It is expressive of great wisdom and of qualifications to guide and direct the human race. In Jesus' time and to this day, some of the most important roles we have in government is that of the advisor. That person or group of people are so important to the king or to the leader. Usually that person is chosen because of their their knowledge or their wisdom in a particular area, but also probably because of their relationship to the king or to the leader. When important decisions are made, it's not the role, it's not the advisor whose name will be glorified because of the decision, it's the king. Yet that doesn't make their role any less important. On a more personal level, I'm sure each of us have people that we all turn to as advisors friends or family that we go to when we need a bit of advice or a bit of help. Have you ever been in a situation where you avoid talking to a specific person because you know they might shed the right kind of light on the situation? They'll tell you what it is that you, you, you think you want to hear but you maybe don't want to hear and so you just avoid that person until, well, you go around asking other people maybe first. You'll ask some people and you'll get what you want to hear and you think... But maybe not quite right and then eventually you'll go to the person who you know is going to tell you the truth and maybe shed some light on you and actually say well maybe maybe this is something to do with you maybe this is something that you need to change or maybe there's an issue going on with you or whatever it is you everyone everyone should but hopefully everyone has someone who reveals the truth of a situation whether that's what you want to hear or not but sometimes I feel like I do this to God I I, I hold off taking a situation to him because I, I, I don't want, I, I'm not quite ready to hear what it is that he wants to say on it because I'm scared that it's going to require me to change or it's re- going to require me to, to make a brave step. But yet in the end, I always go back to him and I always turn to him because it's his advice. He knows us best. He made us. And so he created us with the purpose that he created us for and chose the path that we are on. And so his advice and his decisions will be the best for us, regardless of how we feel. And maybe in the moment it seems scary, or maybe we're not sure um, how we're going to be able to do what it is he's telling us, but yet his advice is always going to be the best. And so when we go to other people and when we're asking those other people decisions, sometimes God, I'm sure, is just waiting and watching us, thinking, come on. You know, you know you need to talk to me about this. Come on, come on. 
and he patiently, patiently waits on us. Sometimes when I go to him, I can just, or I imagine after the time that I've spoken to other people about it, he's looking at me thinking, do you not think that I'm qualified to offer you advice on this? Do you not think that I am the best person to give you advice? Each situation is different, and each of us are different, but God is always willing and ready to speak to us. Jesus can be our wonderful counsellor when we make space in our lives and allow him to speak into each situation. So this Advent season, do you know God as your wonderful counsellor? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Jesus is God's strength. He is the divine hero. And as I mentioned at the start, many of the Jewish people who were studying the, the prophecies and the scriptures had developed their own understanding of what the Messiah would be. And perhaps this name, Mighty God, was misleading for some of them, or at least how they interpreted it was. Many Jews expected that Jesus would come as this mighty hero, as a warrior. This mighty God would send them their mighty hero, one who would come in power and in strength and save them from their oppressors and those who persecuted them. Not one who would come as a vulnerable baby. At the time of Jesus' birth, Jews were not living in peace and comfort. Christmas was birthed in the middle of great struggle and grief. And while we sing carols like the angels did proclaiming peace on earth, the world then, not unlike now, was at war. Herod was preparing to kill the infant boys when he felt that his position was under threat. While Mary worshipped God for Jesus, other mothers were grieving their children. When we celebrate Christmas, often we want the pretty hallmark, wrapped in a bow, um, what you see on TV kind of Christmas, which just isn't a reality for anyone. And for many people, Christmas is a difficult time, perhaps because of the loss of a family member. Maybe money is an issue and you struggle to even buy gifts for your children or your friends. And for many, Chris for many Christmas is not a time of peace and calm but neither was the very first Christmas. And yet in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of the sadness, God was born as a baby. And giving the world Jesus, mighty God came to the earth. Christmas is best understood when we accept that in the mess of life that surrounds us, that Jesus came in the middle of that. And one of the wonderful things about God, mighty God and one of his greatest miracles is that through the hardships we face, we can know him in a greater depth in ways we could never have before. Only he can turn joy, sorry, only he can turn grief into joy. Only he can turn grieving into gladness. And it is in this name that we are reminded that Jesus is our protector. He is our defender of, the defender of our salvation. And that as we desire nothing apart from him, he is our God and wants us to know the strength that he carries. He was so mighty that he chose to become limited to human form. He chose to become limited by the constraints of being human. He redefined our understanding of what it is to be mighty, of what it is to be a hero, Unlike some of our modern-day heroes, Jesus didn't choose to save us because of the glory he would get. 
Jesus chose to save us because he loves us. And because, and because he chose to save us, that is why he deserves the glory. But the glory was never the motivation. Relationship was always at the center. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I read this quote recently in a book, and it says, Most birds were created to fly. Being grounded for them is a limitation within their ability to fly, not the other way around. You, on the other hand, were created to be loved. So for you to live as if you were unloved is a limitation, not the other way around. Living unloved is like, li- is like clipping a bird's wings and removing its ability to fly. In other words, when God created us to be in relationship with him, he created us to be loved by him, to be known by him, and to live with him. But for various reasons, maybe your childhood or what your first experience of church was or how you first met God, maybe it's even a bit of our culture. But sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be loved because we have a hard time believing that we are worth loving. And yet in acting or thinking like that, we are limiting ourselves. We who were created to be loved and to love can never live freely until we embrace the fact that we were created to be loved. And through Jesus, God wants to redefine our understanding of what true love is. It's not that we were created and then after God decided he would love us. He loved us into existence. But there's more to it than just that. Not only is he our father, but he is our everlasting father. So not only did he love us into existence, his love for us will never cease. He will continue to love us. And for some of us, that's hard to wrap our heads around, maybe most of us. And probably we'll spend most of our lives trying to understand it and trying to live as if we believe it. And our human limitations mean that we struggle with unconditional love. Those of you who are parents probably have the best understanding of what it is to love unconditionally. And yet many people still struggle with it. When I was at school, two of my, two of my close friends were forever falling out and making up and falling out and making up. I don't know if you were like that or maybe you had friends that were like that. But they were, it was so hard to keep up with whether they were friends that day or whether they were not friends that day. Um, and generally it was over something pretty trivial, although maybe it didn't seem so trivial at the time. But for them, it was easier to say, I'm not talking to you, than to try and deal with whatever the conflict was that they were having. To take a minute and think, well, why did you say that? Or why did you think that? Or why do you think we should do it that way? They just would walk away and not talk for the rest of the day. And sometimes it's easier. Sometimes you think, or it feels easier just to walk away rather than to have a conversation and to realize, actually, we don't always have to agree on everything. We can still love each other through our disagreement. And sadly, sometimes this has been the picture in the church too often. God is a God of unity. That's why the church exists. He wants to bring us together. And yet because we are scared to let our defenses down and to love unconditionally, to love one another, despite our differences and disagreements, the church has become divided. Here in Northern Ireland, that has been the case for too long. But God is moving. Even here in Rich Hill, we see 
the pastors of the churches, leaders of the churches coming together. And that is a beautiful picture of what God wants to do with the church across the world. God is moving and bringing people together and uniting them through their unity in him rather than their differences. Not allowing our differences to divide us is what is most important. Jesus came to bring unity, to reveal the love of his everlasting father to his children. He knows our baggage. He knows our struggles. He knows what it is for us, what it is we need from him. How we struggle with him as our everlasting father. And yet he still wants us to be his children. He still wants us to know him as our everlasting father. So for whatever reason, maybe whatever your struggle is, or maybe you know him as that, whatever it is, whatever everlasting father looks like for you, this Christmas, maybe you need to remember it. Maybe you need to redefine it. Or maybe you need to learn for the first time what it is to know God as your everlasting father. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the Old Testament, the word, for shal- the word for peace is shalom. From that word, we get peace in the English. And in translation, it loses much of its depth. It's almost closer to an emotion rather than a word. It's a state of being. It is described as a state of wholeness and harmony that is intended to resonate in all relationships, a manifestation of God's divine grace. Jews often use the word shalom as a greeting, and when used as a greeting, it is a wish of not only outward peace, but inward peace, a life free from inward disturbances. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And true peace cannot be attained by living a nice life or staying calm in stressful situations. In fact, true peace cannot be attained at all. Dorothy Thompson, who's known as the First Lady of American Journalism, said this, They have not wanted peace at all. They have wanted to be spared war, as though the absence of war is the same as peace. Jimi Hendrix is known for saying this, When the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will finally know peace. God gave Jesus to the world, and in doing so, he gave us the chance to receive peace. But peace can only be given by the giver of peace. And how can we know peace if we don't know the giver? Without Jesus, there is no true peace. But with him, we can know inward peace. We can have an inward peace which passes our outside understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Peace that passes understanding. It's not the kind of peace that necessarily makes sense. But Jesus didn't come to make sense. He came so that we would know the truth. He came to redefine our understanding of peace. Just like sadness that can become joy, when we receive the giver of peace, we can carry that peace in our hearts. God's kingdom will be one of peace and it will not be established by war on earth. And unlike on earth where our governments believe that to keep peace and to maintain peace, we have to have armies to protect us, God's kingdom will be peaceful. It will be peace because the kingdom is the source, is the kingdom of the source of peace. Peace. 
And when we look at the world around us, it may seem anything but peaceful. At the current time, there are over 40 active conflicts in the world. In the UK, there are over 100,000 divorces this year. And recently, the number of sexual harassment claims and abuse claims has raised dramatically with many people in positions of power in government and in Hollywood being at the centre. So as Christians, now more than ever, we need to understand that Jesus is the giver of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the restorer of the broken. The best person who can help us fix relationships. The one who can bring unity and not division. Jesus brings peace, not that we would have no hardships or not that we would have no difficulties in life, but that we can know complete and perfect happiness in submitting to him through the hardships. Jesus came to free us from fear and to give us peace. So through Jesus, we can have firstly peace with God. He sets us free from our shame of sin and gives us new life in him. He makes us new and in making us new, not only do we get peace with God, but we can carry the peace of God. Jesus came so that the Holy Spirit could live in us and we could live in accordance to his will, not out of duty or just to obey, but to live in his love and in relationship to him. Do you know the Prince of Peace? Do you need to redefine your understanding of him? At this time of year, we often begin to take stock of what's gone on, of what we've done, of what we've achieved, maybe what we've not achieved. Maybe we've not lost the weight or we've not um, ran the marathon or we've not done whatever our New Year's resolution was. But this Christmas, do you know him as your wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace? Because he is wonderful and counsellor who knows and cares about our every thought and concern. He is also mighty God, the one who placed the stars in the sky and the one who knows how many hairs are on your head. He is everlasting Father, who not only loves you dearly, but likes you. He didn't make a mistake when he created you, and he knows exactly why you're here. And first and foremost, that is to love and glorify him. And finally, he is the Prince of Peace, the one who calms the storms going on around us. But more importantly, he calms the storms inside our hearts. So my prayer for me and for each of us this Advent season is that we would open our hearts afresh to God, that we embrace the wonder of this season, that God allowed himself to be limited to human form so that sin that had been limiting our relationship with him could be repaired so that God could know us that we could know God as our father as our everlasting father and that sin would no longer have power over its his creation that we would be free to love him and to be loved by him let me pray father I thank you God, I thank you that you are so much greater than our understanding. God, I thank you that you aren't about religion. You're not about rules. That you're about relationship. That you came so that we might have a relationship with you. And for those of us who don't don't have easy relationships with our family, Father, I pray that you would restore the brokenness. 
Father, I pray that first and foremost you would help us to know you as our Father, and out of knowing you as our Father, we would be able to love our families better. And God, I pray for those who need you as mighty God this Christmas. Mighty God who can change situations, who can transform brokenness, who can be a hero to the situations that are going on. And God, I pray for those of us who need peace, who need to know what it is to, even though the world around us might seem a bit crazy and the things that are going on we can't understand and we don't like and we don't know why it's happening, that we know inside that you are still God, that you are still on the throne, that you are still powerful and that you give us the peace to deal with each situation as it comes. So Father, we pray that you would pour out your peace in this place. Father, open our hearts to receive your peace. Father, we take it as you give it to us, and we thank you that you're so willing to give us what it is that we need. God, I pray that you would just pour out your love as well, Father, that you would pour out your love on the brokenness in us, that you would help us to be open to receive the healing that we need sometimes that we don't want to admit or accept. So, Father, in the dark places that we won't let anyone else see, Father, I pray that we would open up to you. Allow your love to move, to change us and to shape us. God, we praise you for your goodness. You are a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen.